welcome to Facehammer, an Age of Sigmar podcast. Bringing you product reviews, news from the UK tournament scene, as well as some pro hobby tips. So stay tuned and get ready for some hammer to your face. Welcome to Facehammer episode 23. It's me, Rasta Facefield, and I'm joined by the full Facehammer crew this uh this show, so we've got uh, Les, Byron, and Terry in the house. How are you doing, boys? Good, thank you. Cool. So we're going to talk about Warhammer Fest. We um, we invited up to go up to the uh, to Coventry to um, partake in the event, and um, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but um, pleasantly surprised, I think. All round, definitely. Yeah, that's no, it's great. It's really good. It was, um, you know, I was really impressed with it after being sort of like the last sort of games day style event that I went to was years ago and this was like kind of refreshing to be honest. I think the last games day was just a big shop wasn't it and there wasn't really anything else The last time I was there games day was when I worked for GW so I, I haven't actually been to a games day as a customer but I, I hated it yeah. <laughs> it was just full of like I don't know if people who weren't really sure they wanted to be there and there was a lot of like shouting and running around and lots of people and it kind of felt a bit stressful. Well, the stores used to get a bus, didn't they, and then sell the tickets in the stores yeah. and load it with children, then pile them all up to games day. So it was just tons and tons and tons of small children normally. So obviously they changed the format, um, I don't know, a few years ago, but I haven't been to a Warhammer Fest before. Um, but as we were basically contacted and said do we want to go we thought we'd go check it out um and and sort of and also a big appeal to me was the return of the classic golden demon yeah so do you want to just we just talk about what is warhammer fest there's an overview and we can talk about our day and basically what happened during the day and what we got up to yeah for those that don't know we're just giving an overview of what is warhammer fest um so warhammer fest is basically uh, how do you describe it? Kind of almost like an open day for yeah. behind the scenes look of all the people um, who it basically gives you access to all the people who work at GWHQ. Uh, basically, all the people, the staff there, are all from the HQ. There's no one from stores, basically. Um, it's at the Rika Arena in Coventry. Um, it's spread over three floors. There's basically, just to go as an overview, what was there, you had digital and gaming stuff so you had like a lot of the computer game stuff on the ground floor with retail forge world black library and then second floor you had the gw community team um you had forge world and you basically had one bit was all basically forge world so specialist games um sculptors uh digital uh artists and other bits and then you had the top floor which was um basically all your designers every metal team warhammer tv people seminars golden demon competition and on the um bottom floor there's also like a bring and battle room which i didn't venture into because i kind of thought no i didn't didn't really get to see much of that we saw when we well for lunch we could sort of see in but yeah i didn't really know much about that but no so we um i guess we probably just talk about our day now so obviously as Byron said we we sped up didn't we and and sort of in the morning on the Sunday we didn't do the Saturday um, we just did the one day and that's I think the main reason we did Sunday because that's when Golden Demon was yeah yeah so it, I from what Dan from Hill and Hammer was saying 
there was with the staff's armies up on Saturday or something like that that he was mentioning. He said they yeah. had previous Golden Demon winners and they had the staff's like armies on display and stuff, which would have been quite cool, cool to see. That. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure about if some of the people were different people were about um, on the first day. Well, we know for next year now we could do both days. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I'm not yeah. sure, I think if there's different things to see on each day, then I think it's worthwhile, but if it's just what the same thing both days, I think you'd probably cover most of it in one day. Yeah, I, I think there was a, a few different designers that I know, like, um, I can't think of the guy's name, but he's Edgeblend on Twitter, and um, does a lot of the, the Tao sort of battle suit kits. He was there on the Saturday, but not there on the Sunday. Mm. Um, and also, is it Maxim, the guy who did the... The Gordrack model, and right. um, he wasn't there on the Sunday either, um, but was there on the on the Saturday, because um, that was the guy that Dan was telling me about, like the amazing Nurgle army. Yeah, there. that looked amazing that army. So, um, yeah, so we basically we we come in in the morning, um, we basically met up in the car park of the arena, didn't we? And we just chatted for a bit, and we we were basically waiting for our our GW man to meet us, but uh, it turns out he wasn't very well, um, so I rang up. Mr. Helan from Helan Hammer and said, Are you in the venue? Like, are you in? And he said, Yeah, just walk in and go like left and up the escalator, like you pretend like you're meant to be there. Yeah. Um, but of course, we got accosted by the security guard straight away. <laughs> like, a, like a like a bald thug looking dude who turned out to be Les's mate. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a odd story, like, really. It's like he's someone I actually played uh, Warmer with. Back in the day when we were like, you know, 11 and 12, played 40k, he did like Imperial Guard or when I, I did Aldar. And yeah, like I didn't even cock him until we, we, we walked in and he was like, Leslie. And I'm like, how's calling me Leslie? Like my mum calls me Leslie. <laughs> and, um, and it was um, it was my, my friend William from like back in the day. I haven't seen him for about, I think it's 18 years nearly. And I think we explained the situation, didn't we? And then he yeah. sort of said, I'll oh, just go and wait upstairs, not in the event itself, but in like a little little seating area, wasn't it? Until we got sorted. Yeah. That was cool. It's like, I, I honestly be interested to have seen if we'd managed to get past without the in, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I think a lot of the GW guys were running late because there was some delay of the bus in the morning or something, from what yeah. I understand. Uh, but we went up there and um, we Dan was basically sat in the same area and we just chatted and hung out and waited for um, some of the guys to turn up from the community team and, and eventually we decided that we should just go up to Golden Demon um, and register our models because we were going to enter, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah. So none of us had made a, we hadn't uh, made a specific effort to paint anything for it, but we thought we'd... Uh... We bring down some of the stuff that we had in our collections, because why not join in? It, it kind of made it more of more of a day, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it kind of had something else to think about, and we just basically we just went took some models we liked from our armies and just went we'll put them in. Didn't really expect to get anywhere. We just thought, well, you know, they're they're just. I mean, our army standards are quite high, but we just went well. They're just army models, really. We're not doing single figures or anything. Um, so, what did you enter, Les? Um, I decided I, I brought down my uh, Lord Relictor, um, a unit of Liberators and a Star Drake, and because I was unsure about like the best way of transporting them to Golden Demon in the entry, I was just like, Do you know what, I'm just going to take the, the Star Drake. So I did a Marauder Mitch, like as Dan 
<laughs> kindly pointed out and just carried a star drake in and then <laughs> entered it in um, golden demon we'd like i said not expecting to do anything really um, and it was just it's my first time entering golden demon in i think about it's got to be 10 or 12 years um and it was yeah it was it was really nice it was a lot less stressful this time round than it did when I used to paint specifically for it. I think it's because I didn't care. Yeah, I think you didn't put any onus on yourself of, or expectation, did you? You just no. went and thought, well, I'll put my model in. I thought actually you, you probably should have entered your other stuff because you might have got you might have got something out of that, but yeah. just as a finalist pin or something. But like you said, you didn't really know how to carry it around. You didn't want to have like a big plastic box to carry around for the day, did you? Oh, so. There were so many people queuing up with just ridiculous items for storing their stuff in. Like no wonder Les didn't want to. That queue was brilliant. Yeah, I, I, it was just one of those things where I was just like, meh, you know. I just enter it just for a laugh, and you know, my last golden demon that I entered didn't go particularly well. The the time I entered before, like it was brilliant, but I just kind of was just like, I just don't want to go through the stress of trying to do it all or painting anything for it. And you know, it was a bit late notice that we decided to go. So yeah, I just took the dragon, I entered it. It was nice to have it out and had a few nice comments about it. So that's good. I think that was the best thing. It's even if it's just in the cabinet and people are looking at it. It's it's quite cool. But we've got a funny story about that That's later. But, uh, <laughs> um, so what did you enter, Byron? Because you only brought one model, was it? Yeah, I just brought one Tutti Two, so one Heraldo from my army. I would have brought another one, but it had been broken at a previous competition. So I picked uh, the. He's probably one of the most cohesive models I've ever done. Uh, it wasn't wasn't perfect or what I would have liked to entered. But uh, out of the options I have, I thought I'd do that one. Although, in retrospect, entering, and, and for anyone who doesn't know, the quality standard in fantasy single figure is mind-blowing at Golden even. It's yeah. just, it's just, you could, you could, and we would have, if it wasn't so crowded, have just stood next to that cabinet for two hours looking at probably the top ten models and wondering how on earth people managed to be that good. But the theme was beautiful, the paint was incredible the execution the basing all of it there were some amazing amazing things in there and uh spoiler alert one of the things actually went from that cabinet on to win the slayer sword yeah so it was it was incredible but i i had chosen to enter that one so upon putting my stuff in initially i was like oh, okay then well, I'm, i might manage to get a pin or something then as more and more things went into it i was just thinking like my god <laughs> like there is so much talent out there that we we yeah. didn't ever get to see in our in our spectrum of the hobby, and it was just beautiful to see it in person. I think it, it you know, if you would have got something out of just entering one of your normal army get men, it could have kind of sort of devalued the show a little bit. Yeah. If you think yeah. you didn't have to put any effort in, really, other than oh, yeah, paint your man. Um, but I entered um, three things. I put my Blowab, um, my Blight Kings, and my Disc Hero all Nurgle um, I did get some wooden plim- plim- plimps? plimps from the internet for uh, Blowab and the guy but I couldn't get one big enough for my Blight King so <clears throat> I ended up taking my Maul trophy and basically taking everything off of it and then spraying it black uh, <laughs> so I <laughs> I basically broke down one of my uh, trophies to uh, to make a little display base for my Blight Kings. You've anyway, haven't you? It's fine. Well, I, I'm kind of intending to do it anyway um, because I, I want to just put them in picture frames, the plaques, and just reduce my... Oh, uh, running out of space. space. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of getting a bit I've crazy. I've got too many trophies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my diamond shoes are a bit tight as well, so I need to... <laughs> 
just kidding. Um, yeah, so yeah, I just decided I I would basically take one of those trophies and use that as the the base, and um, we sorted that out. Um, but yeah, just so people aren't, if you're not aware, um, Games Workshop launched a site called uh, GoldenDemon.com, and there's some pictures of the winners for the last previous years and that's like the official site it's only been launched very recently so there's not a lot of content on there at the moment but obviously it will grow um and also in terms of what you can enter um there's lots of different categories but there's restrictions on what you can enter so like if you want to do a unit it's got to be five models and if you want like a, a jewel they have to be on a 50 mil base and things like that so there's a few restrictions on what you can enter but um you kind of say i want to be in this category and it's up to them to say no you can't in that category or whatever um and then everyone registers their models the they've got like people with trays who put them in cabinets and then um we took great care with them i must add like i was impressed by just how how reverently they were treating everything they Um, were really good actually and and to be honest i've got they, they were amazing because um when i was queuing up um, my box got nudged, and it's not, you know, it's not no one's fault. It's just that 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 particular Blight King has a very weak um, spear because it's been broken so many times during gaming, um, and it just pinged off. And I thought, oh great, just before I go put it in. So I put it in, and they were like, oh, I said, have you got anything I can fix it with? And the guy was like, no, no, we don't, we don't. I'm sorry, no. And I said, well, I'll just enter it anyway. I don't expect to get anywhere. Um, I just put it on the base, and then um, when I later on when I collected them. One of the guys had actually stuck it back on for me because he thought he'd broken it, and he was like, "I'm really sorry, I stuck it back on." And, and I went, "Oh, that's that's really cool. Thanks. Actually, I broke it before I gave it to you." So, um, but he was, it was really cool, and that there was a lot of care taken putting the models into the cabinets and and stuff. So, um, but they had like the cabinets laid out in like a almost like a like a horseshoe, and then the other end of it was tables, and they had a photographing booth in the middle. Where they were photographing models, and um, what happens is you enter your models, and then about I think it's about twelve o'clock, no three o'clock, is it three? Twelve. What? Well, twelve. Twelve. They basically say they put like a sticker next to the models that they f- say these are through, and everyone else collects their stuff, and then they like rearrange them in the cabinet, and then they they judge the winners, and then they obviously announce the awards. So. Um, the people who get shortlisted, they get like the thing called a finalist pin, which is basically like a pin badge, which says finalist. Um, and then yeah. the people that win obviously get trophies. Um, so I thought it was quite cool as well. I mean, I've never entered Golden Eva before, and I've never really looked been in like looked at it before, so it was all new to me. It was all I'd never really done it before, but I thought it was running really well. Um, just as a side note, really. Yeah, I think it, it was it was like I've like I've been at other events and seen seen worse things obviously i'm i'm a little bit bitter about the last one i went to because my, my model was broken and then the broken bit was lost and it was just nice to see people taking such care over over things they had and uh, also the it built up more suspense the way that they do things when they they separate it then they put the stickers on you get to know if there's been a picture taken of your stuff and also you get to when they do that final cut, they do the final cut, but they also leave them in the cabinets, which is yeah. really nice. So rather than doing a final cut and having them on a table surrounded by judges for three hours as they decide on their choice, they they get that final cut, and then people get to look at those models, just the ones that got through to the final cut for ages, which is really good for viewing. It was only really at that point I realised just how high the standard was, actually. 
Yeah, I think once they cut down to those models, then you only see the ones that have been like shortlisted. You look at the standard and you go, wow, actually, there's so many good things I missed the first time. Yeah. Um, and I think as well, it's nice because it gives you a reason to go back and look. Um, there is actually um, a website, uh, volomir.com. He was a guy photographing everything. He got all the finalists, not just the winners, on his website. Um, there's a link to that on our Facebook if you want to check that out, but that's quite put cool. Put it in the show notes as well. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Because it's quite a cool website if you want to see more range of stuff that got shortlisted. But I suppose we, we kind of... Golden Demon happens throughout the day, but we're kind of talking about it now. So should we... Should we talk about Golden Demon all the way through to the end, and then and then yeah. then talk about what who we spoke to about in other areas? Yeah, might as well seems because otherwise you're just jumping back and forth. I think we, yeah. it'd be nice to get to the conclusion of Golden. Yeah. I suppose. Well, yeah. before the conclusion, <laughs> we cover one special moment that happened with me and Byron stood next to a cabinet. Yeah, yeah, that was quite good. So there was a a nice French man stood next to us who was complaining about a model that we oh, were stood next to. He was gesturing quite... He was like gesturing static. a lot with his arms. He was doing a very emotional waving of not impressed with this model, shouting, what? why is it all grey? <laughs> and he was not happy with it. And then Byron was like, yeah, that's my model. And then he was like, ah, I like the turquoise. <laughs> like, why is it all grey? And I said, it's a model from my army. He said... Is what? It's a model from my army. I've got about 2,000 points worth. He's like, oh, okay, you have picture. But um, I think he was, to be honest, I think he was just trying to backtrack after being there. Yeah. He, I, he, did I not, think... he did not like your all grey model. But I, I think, didn't he, wasn't he holding his model that didn't get, spoiler, shortlisted? Yeah. yeah. And yours did. So he's probably going, why is that one through? Am I not? Probably. It's probably the oh, train of thought. It, um, it was just so funny because he was just slating this model. <laughs> That we were stood looking at, and it was just Byron's, and it was just brilliant. It was uh, it was pretty funny. I didn't like. I, <laughs> I I quite enjoyed the entire experience, regardless of what was being said about my model. Uh, I must say, it was just good. There was a a very physically emotional European gesticulating <laughs> and being uh, and well, like a caricature of himself. And it was my thing was the cause of all of that. So if anything, I'm quite proud that I managed to provoke that reaction in someone. Yeah, I thought yes. it was really cool. So uh, that was quite a funny little extra. Yeah, so um, we I had a moment in the morning when I went over to see my model in the cabinet and I was like, I can't find it. Where is it? And I noticed it was on the middle table being photographed, so I was like quite happy. And I was thinking, well, at least he's going to have a picture. Maybe that will turn up in a Visions at some point or something, you know. And I've been thinking about subscribing to Visions and White Dwarf, actually. Visions is beautiful. I really like it. Um, but I thought, hey, that, at least that's something. There might be some nice pictures of my models floating around the internet that I can I can use, and you know that'd be cool. Um, and luckily, um, we went through the cut, didn't we? And and unfortunately, Les, you didn't you didn't make that cut, did you, with your Star Drake? Um, no, I didn't. But I mean, I was quite happy it got photographed. Um, you know, and and realistically, I've entered a model that is like you know to a army standard quite well painted but I mean even I said to Russ I'm like oh yeah there's like a bit of wash that I spilt on the wing and stuff like that <laughs> on, on the one side of the wing when I entered it and stuff. I think the um, problem is as well like you've used like in an army people don't look at that model really closely they'll they'll look at it and go oh that's really nice but if you look at it, actually really look at it then you notice like 
you notice little things like you mentioned, like oh, the little splash of wash on the wing membrane and things like that. But because it's a single model and that's what they're looking at, that's exactly what they're going to be spotting. It's a hard model to. It's not the model that I think you would choose to paint no, the demon in that category either. And that's really very noticeable in the monster category. There's some you look at and you think, good choice, and there's others that just frankly wouldn't show up in there because they're not an easy model to paint to a like a, an industry leading standard. No, and some of them aren't just aren't in the right sort of pose. Like I found there was quite a few Archeons and I just found the model really hard to like look at properly because it's got too, almost too much going on. Yeah. yeah. And it's almost too busy. And I found that with your Star Drake, it's probably like because it's at one angle, it's really hard to actually see the best bits. Like you kinda of want to look at it from the top and at the back to see the wings, but then you want to look at it from the side diagonal front to see like the, the face of the drake and the armor panels but then so it's kind of like it i mean we did mention that maybe they needed like rotating little plimps for stuff but you know maybe it'll just not not really work very well but um yeah i don't know i just think it wasn't yeah if i was going to paint a model for that category i wouldn't pick a star drake that's for sure no it's not ideal i think and like, like i said it was more just a, a last minute thing for me i was just like yeah i'll just bang it in it didn't you know, it didn't matter. Having been on the, the side of the fence where I've spent, you know, I think I spent my last Golden Demon entry, I spent 72 hours on it or mm. something like that, and I didn't make the cut then. I kind of was just like, I can't get back into this, you know, the the sort of like the, the painting specifically for those events, because as much as I enjoy the single painting, um, you know, I, I think I enjoy sort of like the the army painting and taking part in the tournament scene a bit more because I don't think realistically you can do both. There's doing it for there's doing it for winning uh, something like the South Coast GT we did, which is a tournament where you can enter a single model, and then there's Golden Demon, which is just as we saw and was evident by the quality of what's there, just like awe inspiring, next level, like hero worship worthy models. Some yeah, some of them definitely. I mean, I... Like the Slayer Sword winner, I I just blown away by yeah i mean i i guess we'll talk about mr soper in a minute but um so we i mean what i'd say as well is that like we were looking at that monster category weren't we and we thought there isn't that many good entries in that category so i i was started that little bit in the back of my head was going all oh, my blow up he might have a chance in there you know um but then when it gets shortlisted you actually see the others and you go oh maybe not <laughs> so i still think your blow up is in the top sort of like percent of those you know, I was actually a bit surprised at some of the stuff that got through the cut. In yeah, the... me too. Should we, well, should we talk about one of the things that we all agreed on, which is models not being in the right category briefly? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because it, so the the job of you you tell people what category your models from, and obviously if you turn up with a dreadnought and you try and put it in Warhammer Fantasy unit or Age of Sigmar unit, I should correct myself, they're going to turn that away. But there are others that are slightly iffy, so characters on big bases and stuff like that, and you turn up and you say, I want this to be in this category. And for me, for my money, it's the job of the people at the desk who should be knowledgeable enough to say, like, okay, cool, you should be putting it in this one, so I'm going to enter it in this one. That's, if that's yeah. where you're being. And the example we saw, which was quite a popular model, unsurprisingly, at the event, because it's new and it's awesome, was what's he called the orc megaboss yeah yeah the orc megaboss or the iron jaws megaboss yeah the megaboss so he was both 
in the single character for mm. single for fantasy and the monster cabinets, which just fell off. Yeah, I don't. I actually think um, the guy. I think he came third with it. He did, and it's actually amazing paint job, but it should just be in a character category. Yeah, it just looked it was a bit strange. Not like not any disrespect to the dude. He just entered a entered a thing, and it was an incredible one. There were a lot of really good paint jobs on that model, actually, but it seemed weird that it was hanging out next to a load of dragons. Yeah, definitely. I thought um, I thought someone should have just been there going, yeah, Hang that's on. not... That's actually not a large model that shouldn't be in there. Um, so I mean, That's not the right category for this. This should be in this. This should be in that. This should be, you know... Yeah, exactly. And I think... Um, the you know so it, it was a little bit like the dioramas and the jewels so the jewels have to be on a 50 mil base some people have done like a 50 mil base and then like just like almost built a thing out of that out and up and out to then have more stuff on it the, the base was like a couple of thousand mil square on top of a 50 mil round i so no, like see- that it's so big it just doesn't fit well, I, I actually, I disagree on this one because I like the clever ingenuity that some people have to go through to build that, that clever flared base or, or whatever. No, I like some of it, but I didn't like the 12-inch high pillar connected to another pillar and then coming back down yeah. again, which I didn't, I didn't think was very cool. But the actual, the one with the troll slayer on I thought was really good. Yeah, because right. it wasn't take it wasn't going over the top. It was like a fifty mil goes up a little bit and out into like a chariot base. It's fine, you know. It's not not an issue. Um, you know, maybe it's just it's just one of those things. It's just clever cleverness. Personal maybe. preference, isn't it? Well, that's the thing about painting. It's subjective, isn't it? So it's yeah. a it's a difficult one because that's why I don't know how. I think it must be quite a stressful thing to enter like to try and do well because you're basically beholden to the opinions of one or two individuals. Um, and you know, yeah. it's, it's going to be a, it's a subjective thing, isn't it? So I think the judging was, I didn't hear much grumbling from the, I've got the privilege to know quite a few really informed painters who were there, some of which won awards. And from what I heard, people were fairly behind the decisions of the judges, which is normally a pretty good, pretty good sign as well. Hmm. I think the the best thing about it was is it was going back to the old days because I remember when I was a kid and I was looking at likes of like Jakob Nielsen um, picking up their trophies and I was thinking that was quite inspiring to me and when they moved away from that and it was just like oh this one we're going to do like tank only it kind of lost something to me and I think yeah. going back to the classic is, is definitely the right direction well the classic had more community about it and it's something that you could spectate more because it's relevant to more people which absolutely I'm behind yeah, I think I think it was great, but um, in terms, we should probably talk about how we got on, shouldn't we? Because we, I got shortlisted in the unit and the monster category with Blowab and the Blight Kings, and got my finalist pin. But I didn't get, um, I didn't get through on my character, which I was a little bit surprised at. Which uh, I thought was your strongest model. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe What's it's on the hardest weird. categories, though. Yeah, uh, maybe it's just because he's a bit strange and he doesn't have a design on his banner. It might have just come down to that. Um, I did think about actually spending some time and painting on it, and I just thought, well, I'm not going to win anything. What's the point? You know, um, having two or three pins doesn't really make any difference to me. You know, one was enough to be honest. <laughs> if I only got one, um, 
and you you got through, didn't you, Byron? In the hard, probably the hardest category there. Yeah, I think there's a fair bit of luck. Um, it's quite like my model does what it does, and it's <laughs> the things that are upsetting Captain Frenchy about it. Its simplicity, I think, probably helped it quite a lot. But also, there was a fairly large dollop of luck in there because I was well, I was privileged to be in in such company in the cabinet. There was there was a lot of very very strong entries in there, so I was psyched yeah. just just to get through to the stage that I did. About six inches from your model was the Slayer Sword winner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you were chilling out with some good models. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's basically as far as we get. Obviously not, not that surprisingly. Uh, we didn't expect to actually win anything. Um, but should we talk about some of the things that we thought were really cool about the winners? So so the uh, Slayer Sword went to the absolutely sensational Gut Rot Spoon by David Soper, and I think... This was in the single, obviously the single character category for Age of Sigma, and I think this is probably head and shoulders the best thing in the event. Um, absolutely sensational, this model. Uh, you can go to his blog, can't you? Is it Sprocket? Yeah, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. It's yes. amazing. Sprocket's um, world, and if anyone wants to lose an hour and a half of their life reading everything he's ever done, that would not be wasted time. Yeah, I mean, like the model itself, he's he's modelled it on like a boat with changed like his axe out for a trident, and it absolutely amazing. This model, I think, is it's all scratch built, like the bits and pieces, the boat, yeah. and, and it's got a step by step or like a short, you know, this is how I did this, and it's really, 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 really good. Yeah, he's used, used microbeads, he's done some gooey techniques, and also the entire piece, I believe, used. GW Foundation paints, but he's experimented with Scale 75 uh, as a different paint range and a thing to practice with throughout all of it, which is quite cool. Yeah, and I think some standout things for me, I really, really liked the um, Stormcast Eternal Retributors that picked up silver in the unit category. That was exceptional, man. I, I looked at it for about 10 minutes just staring at it just because of the the, the detail he's gone into with it it is just sort of like you know where the the lightning hammer is sort of like glowing by the one hand like his left hand he's then sort of like painted freehand arc lightning up the up sort of like the, the forearm and when the hammer heads near his shoulder he sort of like look, painted it to look like lightning sort of like jumped off the hammer head onto its shoulder and stuff like that it was just yeah exceptional to be honest i don't think i got a close enough look at those absolutely amazing like they he modeled like the the retributor prime holding like lightning bolts in his hand just like yeah. and like lightning going up the arm it was it's just the more you looked at it and the more you spotted it's one of those things that if you didn't look at look at it look at it you'd miss it um i i really like the magma drop yeah that, that was nice that was really nice i've not seen the mod that magma drop model painted in a way that i actually like it you um, expect someone doing that many lines as well. <laughs> like... Yeah, it's really, really nice. Um, the I think as well, like to go into like obviously the open. The I think his name's Max Max Maxim. He's a heavy metal painter. Yeah, he's, he's he got painted the seminar. The, yeah, and he painted the weird knob shaman, um, which we spoke about, and he did a um, dark oath chieftain as a single model but in the open because obviously he works for GW and he picked up gold um, which I think was absolutely amazing yeah um, didn't there was a really nice Legolas as well wasn't there Byron oh it was incredible I think actually a lot of people like to joke about entering Lord of the Rings because it's the easiest one to, to get a single figure award in 
but a couple of the best models at the entire show were there. And when you see as, as games in the games that we play, especially the older Lord of the Rings models, you forget just how small they are. And then you look at them painted to that standard and it's mind blowing. But uh, yeah, there was a really good Legolas and I forget which, there was another one in there that really impressed me as well. Yeah, I think um, the the Legolas was got gold of, and it's really really good. And um, also, you, I mean, you could check all these pictures out on the on the Golden Demon website, and also on Volumir if you want to see some of the other shot finalists. Um, I really liked um, some of the stuff was really really cool. Like I like the Magus as well, the forty k. I mean, I love the Gene Stealer Cult stuff anyway, and that was that was a really really well painted model. Yeah, we've concentrated on. Age of Sigmar a little because it's what we play, but the entries for 40k are outstanding as well. Uh, 40k large monster, the Bloodthirster that won it, that um, the skin was all painted like molten lava on his skin, and it was incredible. Like that could have easily picked up Slayer. It was just mind blowing. Yeah, so, it does look pretty good. Amazing vehicles as well, and the, the mini that won. Gold for 40k single figure was just incredible. Uh, the setting of it was was beautiful, and obviously the quality of that level is going to be amazing. But as an entire piece, holistically, that was incredible. I really like the shock attack gun as well. I'm not quite sure why it was in large model. But... It's huge. Mm, yeah, but it's just an orc with a big gun in it. I mean, I suppose yeah. How big's his gun though? Does that make it a war machine? Who knows? <laughs> Pretty big, but. I don't know. You could, it's no bigger than the Mega Boss, I don't think. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, but I thought it's some really cool stuff, and it was really nice to see those models up close and in the flesh. And um, and obviously the award presentation was done really well, apart from when they tried to use a gold envelope for the Slayer Sword, um, and sort of realised that having a microphone in an envelope you had to open doesn't really doesn't really work that well. Not enough hands. Yeah. Uh, but Alan did, did manage to, to sort it out in the end. <laughs> um, but I think um, also they saw the chainmail glove come out because I think, I think Jakob cut his hand open one year in the past. So health and safety winning at Golden Demon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but absolutely amazing. Uh, I, I was just glad to be part of it, really. It was just nice to actually take part. I think not taking part, it just wouldn't have quite the same... I wouldn't have the same investment in it. Yeah, I think so. Regardless of where your expectations are, it's just nice to. Well, I, I didn't take that. part, and it was probably my favourite bit of the whole thing. Just stood there looking at the single fantasy models, going, "Oh, these are so good. I hate my life. I can't paint." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that no, was good. I don't know about you, but I felt pretty inspired afterwards to just sit down and paint a model, like not for an army, but just paint yeah, a model. Definitely. Yeah, that's all I've wanted to do all week. But I don't know what I want to paint. I don't know where to start. How how to go about doing that? I think I don't think you should paint it for a competition. I just think you should take a model you like and just try and paint it the best you can. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to do. But I don't know what model I want to do. So you, what you want to do, Terry, is you want to assemble a full death army. Well, that's what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I then send it to Byron. 
And then send yeah. it to Byron, yeah. And I can ping it for tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I come away thinking I'd like to do a Dark Oath Chieftain. A uh, friend of the show, Dan's going to sell me one of the ones he's got, and I might I might do that as a piece. And not, not, I don't know if I'm going to enter it in anything, but I just it, it's just a model I really like, and I'd like to paint it in quite a different way to how it's been done by uh, by the guy who picked up the winner in the open. I'd, I'd just, I've got an idea for it I'd like to do. Um and then I was sort of thinking about there's a dwarf model that's probably my favourite sort of classic. Well, it's not really that classic, but he's basically got no helmet on and he's leaning on these axe hafts, um, looking grumpy. And it's one of my favourite models ever. Um, yes. And I've got a spare one of that, so I might actually because I did some NMM test on my other one. But I'd really like to actually test that out and see how it goes. But um, we'll see. Um, yeah, so that was basically Golden Demon, and I think we should probably take a break and um, come back. And then what we'll do is we'll talk through, probably do it floor by floor of who we spoke to and what we did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we'll do it in the order we kind of did it, which I think was the, the top floor, the bottom floor, then the mid floor, um, and go through there. But, um, yeah, so that was Golden Demon. Um, grats to everyone who won, people who entered, people who got pin badges. There's... You know, sorry we didn't mention names of winners. We, I mean, to be honest, one guy picked up loads of trophies, but I can't six, remember his name. Six or seven? Yeah. What a beast. You'll see it on the thing, because you'll but, be like, oh, that guy's name again. Oh, there he is again. Yeah. There he is again. So I um, just want to say that it's great that, that obviously GW went, let's let's go back to our roots. Let's resurrect the Golden Demon as it classically was, and let's sort of get that inspiration you know, back from from previous years. So yeah, really good. Glad to see it say, back. Before we go for the quick break, um, friend of the show Adam Elford entered three categories and won in all three categories, I believe. One uh, finalist, yeah. A uh, finalist, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah. So um, grats to him as well. There. Yeah, well done. And you know, anyone else who got a badge, obviously, well done. Um, so. Yeah, so that was Golden Demon, um, 2016. I don't know if they're going to be doing it. I think it's every year, Warmer Fest, so they'll be doing it every year. So yeah, um, next year, I think we're all going to enter something. Definitely. Yeah. yeah Terry, think... you going to commit to painting a model? Yep. Woo! You gonna... So he's committed to it. Let's see if he actually finishes it. I will. <laughs> Terry, Terry Pike, Pinky Promise. Yeah. He'll be painting it the day before. He'll be wet, wet in the wet car on the table. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be like half painted and then it would just have one bit that's just airbrushed and not washed or highlighted be fun. Oh, I couldn't get that gaming standard gaming standard golden demon Les yeah, can three get co- it's three colours it's three colours <laughs> Les can get his revenge by putting out the bit that's been missed yeah fine. I was just helping Les it's fine <laughs> you were helping me fair play right on that note we'll be back in a few minutes Facehammer is sponsored by Element Games. So for great customer service, all the latest Age of Sigmar releases at 20% off, and all your hobby needs, go to www.elementgames.co.uk. To support us directly, click through the banner on our website and let them know that you came from us. And we're back from the break. So that was the Golden Demon competition, and now we're going to talk about our experiences on the top floor, which I think was probably the most interesting floor. Maybe not actually, but it was it was pretty cool. So yeah. we went over, and in the middle there was kind of these guys that were from Warhammer World, wasn't there? So yeah, 
So who did we speak to there, Les? We've got um, that. Initially, we spoke to a guy called James, who said that he runs the the, the Warhammer World team um, for sort of like the display guys, wasn't it? You were saying, um, and he explained to us, showed us sort of like the Age of Sigma board that they they built to ship around to sort of like different stores. And so you see, one went to Europe and one went to the States, and they could be, you know, put together to make one sort of like a four by four board, wasn't it? That was the initial conversation. Yeah, that was it. And then we just sort of asked him how long that took, and I think he said he said about two weeks, I think. Yeah. Um, including all the models, and it was quite cool. It's basically to promote the AOS starter set, wasn't it? So. Yeah, that was right. Um, and then we met probably what was really cool. They had kind of this like model on the side of the. Like that was sort of I think it's a one sixteenth scale model, yeah. Um, and the guys sort of sat there with some. There was some concept art and there was some pictures, and quite a young guy, but Owen. And it was it was a really interesting conversation. Just kind of thought I'd just sort of start talking to him and ask him a load of questions, and uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, so it was. It was. It's really interesting. Just sort of like saying how sort of like how long it took him to. Um, you know, come up with a concept and, you know, um, sort of like how many kits. I think he said he ordered, was it 75 um, of the the big yeah, sets? Yeah, the Overlord Bastion. So basically it's like a big board with loads of different gates and towers on it. And I, I can't remember what the brief was. I think it was something like Chaos, like Chaos Stronghold or something was the brief. Yeah. Um, but we spoke about like, because um, they basically make the boards for the museum. Yeah. So I spoke to him and said, like, well, how do you do the design process? I mean, how does that work? Um, and how many people? And it was quite interesting because basically he said that there's only a couple of guys that make the board and then a couple of guys that paint the models. And you think, look at the number of the models. And you think, wow, there's like 50 or 60 Drakoffs there. Yeah. Somebody's, somebody's built all those. Um <laughs> And painted them, and that's pretty mental. Um, but I think last year they did eight boards, I think, in the year, the team. And that's pretty crazy, really. I mean, when you think about the amount of effort to do those. You say boards is an army, and then some. Yeah, it's like it's basically like a scenic display board and an army. So it's pretty crazy. But some of the stuff, I mean, it looked really cool, and it was quite interesting to talk to him. I mean, he said that predominantly he was uh, into the scenery building more than the modelling. Um, but he's basically said that you know they come up with a brief, and sometimes it's really loose, and sometimes it's really like concise of what they want. But it, it was quite interesting because he was talking about how the board dis, like disassembles, because obviously you can't. I think it was twelve by eight this board. That's twelve foot yeah, by eight foot. Was. So you can't. He said you you got to be really mindful of how it breaks down, and also how tall it is, and how it can fit through doorways and stuff which is like a feat of engineering in itself. Um, and he was sort of saying, oh, I tried to hide the join line by having the join line run around the base of this tower and this wall. Um, but it was really cool because he basically said that, you know, obviously it's going to go in the museum and they want to make sure that it, it's got like a story and you can you can see details like how does that gate open? And I think he said there's like four or five gates on that board and each one opens a slightly different way. Yeah, one of them's got a bunch of like ogres or something pulling the gate up. Yeah, there was giants. Some... He said there was giants, two, two giants that he made sort of like uh, or something, was it? braces for and, and and chains to be able to pull the door like something that you you'd never see because of where it is positioned on the board. But the attention to detail that they've gone into 
Yeah. Mind blowing. It also makes you really want to buy those kits, doesn't it? Those yeah, massively. Kits. I looked at it and I was like, oh man, that'd be so cool to have like a to be able to play a game on that table, man. Yeah, it'd be amazing. It's so good, especially like when you've got all of those dracoffs sort of like funneled underneath what was like sort of like two eight crops with sort of like almost like a game terror going over the top like a chaos gate terror and there must be about 50 dracoff riders sort of like funneled and they really had a sort of like a look of urgency about where the way they were positioned like they're trying to funnel through it was just yeah. it's amazing it was like they'd looked at like i don't know what would you, i guess like stampede or like nature documentaries yeah. so that like aerial shots of wildebeest or they'd something. been watching the lion king it did it was it was <laughs> like a stampede of dracoffs it looked so cinematic um just from sort of like and this is, isn't even like the finished product yet. This is sort of like them showing you the the initial layout of how they're all going to. They had some photographs, yeah. didn't they, of yeah. what yeah. it currently looks like, and it looks awesome already. Because all, all they had there was the model, well, this, the the one the sixteen to one scale model with pins in it, and then yeah. photographs of the actual board work in progress, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I thought it was quite interesting chat because I wasn't really sure. You know, it was quite interesting because, and I found this throughout the day actually, that people were really open about what they did and how it kind of works and what what they get up to. And you kind of just thinking, you could have spoke for ages to some of the people, and you're just like, well, so how does that actually work then? I mean, logistically, I think you just sort of think, oh, yeah, you're making a cool board, but then you think, well, how do you go about coming up with the concept? How do you plan it? How do you how long do you get to do it? it? Through, how many people you fit it through doors? Like Yeah. <laughs> and how many people work on it? And who do you do you paint the models and do the board or do you have a different team for that? Or and then you know, how much from the project sort of side of it, I mean how sort of tight is it on the deadline and things like that and you just think, wow, it's kind of it's kind of crazy, really, when you get into the detail, and it's you know, it's, I mean, obviously it's professional, and you, you sort of it's quite interesting just to be able to talk to someone one to one, yeah, and ask questions like that, and sort of really understand what he does as a job. Really, I mean, that's yeah. that's fundamentally what it boils down to. Well, it isn't it? Is any talking to anyone who's made this hobby their job, and the guys at GW employ the the best of the best at it is always going to be interesting. I always felt like over the course of the weekend that like when Dave and Russ were sort of like talking to a few different people, it, it almost felt like perhaps we should mention that we're we're on a podcast because we were really sort of diving into not so much like oh these models are cool. It was more like, like so how does that work? Like you know, what did, knows, where was the inspiration? Like, lazy. Yeah, I think some people were kind of a little bit taken aback with sort of the technical questions we were asking, but. I think we did. We did sort of say to some people, "Oh, we do a podcast, so we're we're just trying to get the information out of you. Um, we're trying to milk you for your info, basically." Um, yeah. But yeah, I think they're, they're quite open about what they're doing, and you know, right. we, I mean, that was great. I mean, for me, that made the day interesting. Yeah. Well, if yeah. It, if you had a load of people who were sat there and kind of like, "Oh yeah, do this a bit," it wouldn't. We wouldn't have had the time that we did. And spoiler alert like everyone we spoke to was interesting really happy to speak and incredibly open as well and also pretty patient with us asking them questions again and again and again and again which i'm sure they'd have and they probably in. answered those questions four or five times exactly, that day but, and we you know yeah. or, and especially they were there on saturday but yeah just if you're in warhammer world 
go check out the museum and really appreciate the effort. I mean, I haven't been to the museum since they've changed it. I know if they charge like seven pounds to get in, it's so good. Well worth it. Like you, you've definitely got to do it, and, and it's not a lot of money for the effort, time, and, and sort of appreciation you'll get out of it. And um, I really want to. Next time in Warhammer World, I'm definitely, definitely going to go because the last time I was there, I didn't get a chance to because I was obviously up there for the General's Handbook. Um, and we basically had so much to do, we, we wouldn't have time to do that kind of thing. So um, the next time I'm in Warhammer World, um, I'm definitely going to go around the museum because the last time before that I was there, it didn't exist. So definitely yeah. want to have a look. So yeah. if you're in Warhammer World, go check it out. It's going to be awesome. And if you're from abroad and you're in the country and you're close, it is. If you're, wondering it whether, yeah, if you're wondering whether it's worth the trip or dragging family around it, like it is just a spectacular place to walk around. For now, it's incredible. Yeah, and I think, um, so big props to Owen and, and obviously James there for talking to us and, and going through all the details. So um, I didn't really go speak to the, the White Dwarf guys, but I think Terry and Les, you spoke to them, didn't you? Yeah, I, I got chatting to um, a, a guy there called Matt, who was just like really accommodating. We spoke briefly about sort of like the, the process they go through with um, regards to sort of like the magazine and stuff and how I, I, I really like the fact that white dwarf itself is getting back towards being the magazine that i loved as a kid yeah and you know, it's, it's a completely different format now but i think it's a really good format yeah it's not i mean it's not the, the white dwarf of old but I, I do think that it's you know it's really you know it's, it's i think that... since they changed the weekly format though and since they went to visions and they changed updated visions to what it is now i think yeah. it's better than the old white dwarf yeah, no, I, I I think so too. I mean, the only thing that is missing is the really cool sort of like little um, articles about the hobby and sort of like I always remember like the tale of gamers that I think that one thing that really got me into collecting an army. Um, but I mean, I, I do really sort of like like where they've gone with it. You know, definitely from what it, it, it used to be, it's gone from being a, a catalogue to a you know it has got the little articles and stuff in it. I think it had a really really bleak period like. Yeah. a few years ago um i think there's more articles in it now like especially hobby but the only thing that i find really missing is the classic battle report yeah i'm not sure how interesting that is for people but i used to love that when i was a kid i'd also like to see the like heavy metal standard painting tutorials yeah. because okay. they were they're the reasons that i've got post-its in my white drawers from when i started this hobby from when i was a kid so I can go back and go to those pages and pour over them because yeah. that's where the, the re-readable value comes from for me. I don't want to. I don't want to look at things that I could do easily that much. But what I do want to look at doing is finding an entire tutorial, maybe picking out the one bit that I could possibly touch and trying to emulate that or aspire to it or whatever. Which I really, I'm properly behind always. And I think if their target audience is kind of the more sort of intermediate beginner gamer. For the weekly, then the um, the, vision. the visions could be the one where you've got the actual sort of advanced painting in there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, look, I mean, so so you you spoke to them there and you you went through. I mean, I guess I don't know anything else interesting you talked about. I mean, obviously, releasing the magazine every week is quite a demanding process, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, we only had a we we sort of had a a brief chat about. Um, about a few bits and bobs, and I showed them a couple of pictures of my models, which was was quite nice. And you know, it was they got some really good feedback from those guys on that. 
um, we didn't really talk about it. It was only sort of like a brief chat, really. Yeah. We spent a lot more time talking to perhaps the heavy metal team and, and, and Emma from Warhammer TV, really. But um, yeah, it was yeah. just nice to go over and sort of like meet the guys and just sort of like say our appreciation. I think it was also sort of like we've kind of quite busy at the time, so we didn't really want to take up too much of their time, did we, Terry? No, and it was just about getting to the um, the announcements for Golden Demon. Yeah, so I think that's like, where me and we and Byron were. We were over yeah, by the cabinets, and yeah. they just started, you know, the booming over on the mic, you know, gather around and whatever. And it was like, well, we basically can't hear you that well now, anyway, and we should probably go and see what this award ceremony is all about. Yeah, I um, think we. Um, I mean, I spent a bit of time talking to they're basically next to the White Dwarf team. You had quite a lot of miniature designers, so obviously some big names there like Ali Morrison and Jez Goodwin, and yeah. um, it was pretty pretty crowded there all day. I mean, as you'd expect. Um, but I I think I I spent quite a bit of time talking to Tom, um, who I think you spoke to at the last games that you went to, didn't you? I did, yeah. The very first games I went to, he he designed the the Savage Orc Shaman on foot. You know, the one that the really cool one, the one with him running with a big axe. Oh, the the boss, boss, like yeah, yeah the big. Boss. Um, yeah, and like he, I was talking to him at the last games I went to, which was really weird, and he told me that he did that on freelance, and he had like the the sort of like the was it the five up mock up that he did? Yeah. Um, and you know, it was one of those first plastic kits to be released, and yeah, like, and we we were just chatting about it. So like, it was quite interesting because he was saying how. Mo- he normally gets sort of like the the tow kits or the the orc kits, mm. um, you know, and by orc kits he meant sort of like forty k kits. Yeah. I suppose he said he didn't work on any of the the orc stuff for like Age of Sigmar, but um, I think me and you almost felt like we grilled him a little bit about sort of like the the sort of like how he, when he designs the model does he do it? Is he like a traditional sculptor now or is he three D sculpt? And you know, and does he does he actually think about when they're sculpting and three D sculpting? Do they think about the hobbyist and you know? And well, I think he... yeah. I mean, I think I had we'd already spoke to the Forge World team, haven't we? At this point, so we had a few questions, but um, I, I I wanted to know a little bit more about because what I do for a job, um, you you have people that are designers and people that are engineers and understanding the technical limitations and designing something cool you kind of got a it's like your barrier your like your yeah. your constraints so i said to him like do you he has like i said to him do you have to make that call yourself um and he said well basically he has that knowledge to a basic level to design and he said the limitations are the challenge and he said that's what makes it interesting which i thought was quite cool yeah. Um, obviously, sometimes you make something and they go, "Yeah, we just can't mould that." But the beauty of three D sculpting is you can just change it. It's not a lost cause at that point, is it? Whereas, and I think that's why the kits are now so much more adventurous because he said that you can really push the boundaries because if it doesn't work, you can just change the file, like the CAD file. But in the past, if you were actually doing a physical sculpt you'd have to almost start from scratch and it was too risky to do that. You'd have to be really kind of play it safe. Like, um, so it was a really interesting conversation and, and sort of talking about how things take two years from the sort of design to, to, God, yeah, to retail. It's, it's kind of crazy, really. I mean, he's probably sat there thinking, yeah, the Oryx are, you know, old news, you know, that was two years ago. And you know, we obviously, it's just hit. It's just new for us. So absolutely crazy. Um, but obviously, Jez Goodwin had his sketchbook, and 
he was talking about when he was when he was at college and he was doing like fine art and they they told him to stop drawing like fairies and elves and he'd never make a living out of it and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um just really i mean like you know he, he's a legend he, he can't you know no doubt about it jez goodwin's shaped games workshop ip um you know just as much as the likes of john blanche and, and yeah. sort of, you know i mean you can't ignore his influence and um it was just fantastic to see him just kind of really yeah. kind of interacting and joking and just really yeah. open and fantastic i mean that to me like the the two-way interaction to just go to, and, and literally we could just literally just talk to them and say well, how does that work then and what you're doing and you know how long does that take and and <laughs> i mean it might have been thinking god these guys are getting really technical but um yeah i thought it was really good really good it's one of the highlights for me. I think. I, I think talking to like the the two Toms were were quite my highlights of the day, to be honest. Yeah, I think so. And, and so, speaking of Tom number two, <laughs> yeah, um, Tom from the heavy metal team. That um, we sort of like had a had a had a quite a long chat with, didn't we, Byron? Me and you. Yeah, we nabbed loads of his time, but he was really nice. He was a uh, top bloke. Yeah. Um, he sort of like um, we were saying about how he he painted the in sort of like he had his models on display, so it was obviously the Silver Terror stuff, and he painted the the acolytes, the Zinchian acolytes yeah. from the Silver Terror, and he also did the the dwarf character from the Silver Terror. Yeah. Um, and he, he painted all of the fire slayers, I think, as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and he did the black armored orc uh, brutes. Yeah, yeah, all the black. The, you know, the yeah, the ones that everyone sort of rave about how nice they are. Like that, that was his sort of paint job. Something that I found fascinating was that he painted the. Uh, the rider of the women in that scheme, and not the women themselves. Like that More is just, pressure. yeah, to my head, that's just like I don't know why it blew my mind, but it did that you wouldn't get to do all of the model work in for every. He was really nonchalant about it. He was like, oh yeah, but he's really good at monsters, so he did the mall crusher, and I did the guy. And then I had to be thinking, no, must pick the whole model. Yeah, it was really interesting. He he was awesome. We asked him about everything, like what he paints in his free time, how he goes about it, how there's this. And we kind of coordinated between all the people that we pestered and asked, how, like, who chooses paint schemes was a really interesting one, I thought, because yeah, w- when we were, and we'll come to it, but when we spoke to the guys from Warhammer TV, guy and girl, um, they were saying that they go to the army painters for influence and then the army painters, they go to the other people and everyone kind of shares and they go from a central theme and ask for advice and, and stuff like that. Well, I think he said that sometimes cool. they get told from up top, this is the colour scheme we want, like the main colour scheme. Because I said, how did you pick yellow for the Aurochs? I mean, where did that come from? And he basically said that come from up top. You know, Anna Merritt basically went, we want them yellow. Yeah. And they did, and, and that was it. And they just went for yellow. Um I think it was quite interesting as well, where you you find out how long they get to paint a model. Yeah. So I think they get like three days each to paint one brute. He said. So a unit of five brutes is like fifteen days. Yeah, but didn't it take? Was it five weeks or something to paint paint Archeon? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That's that's a lot of time. I think Anya Anya did that, didn't she? Yeah, I think so. That's a lot of model though, isn't it as well? Yeah, I mean, I mean, when they're doing it to that level. you could pretty understand, don't you? I mean, it's another level, really. Well, it's the style that they're doing it as well. They're like base coating it by hand and <laughs> the like layer highlighting to the highest of tip top standards. It's incredible. Yeah, I think um, they did mention they. I think they do. They do airbrush in the 
the heavy metal team just to get some base layers done sometimes, but yeah, the but mostly it's all brushwork. But I think um, for me, like seeing the models in the flesh, the photos just don't do them justice. That no. weird knob shaman was just something else. The heavy metal one that was crazy good. It was intimidating. It was so good. That's. Yeah. You know, it was intimidating. You looked at it and you went like, oh my god, I don't even want to buy that model now because I'm never going to get to that standard. But he's won a lot of Golden Demons. I mean, he picked up Gold in the Open, which is obviously no mean, no small feats and who enters that. Yeah. Um, but Matt, I think it's the, the guy, he, he had like this shape, this like wizard who was like floating. That like, was yeah. really nice really as well. Really cool. And like... And the towel bot with the splashes, the, the water, where the little... Yeah. The towel drones flying across... Like that was just that was amazing as well. I think he's a single miniature painter, though, isn't he? Through and through. Um, uh, but yeah, some of the, I mean, this is this part of the heavy metal team are all the sort of the the high end paint jobs, and there's also the army painters, weren't there? Yeah, didn't really get a chance to talk to them much. They were always seemed to have a lot of people around them. Yeah, they were swamped the entire day. Yeah, I think they, there was quite a lot of... I mean, you saw like the armies on display and you just think they've painted like a whole army to a high standard, you know. It was pretty incredible. It was when... Um, I think I was talking to Dan Heelan and he was saying he spoke to one of the army painter guys and was saying to them, like, wow, like, you know, it must be so like time-consuming to to paint one of those Raven Guard sort of, like, tanks and stuff. And he was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, nah, just, you know, get a dry brush and then just dry brushed all the edges of it. And just the brush control was so, so much that he just tilted the tank in such a way. It was just like, yeah, dry brush the edge, dry brush the edge, dry brush the edge. Yes, done. Yeah, he dry brushed yeah. all the edges and picked out key points. Yeah. yeah. Absolute beasts of efficiency. Really impressive. Hmm. No, I think it's um, it's pretty incredible when you look at it. Definitely. Um, so, as well as the painters of the models, we chatted to both of the people from Warhammer TV. Yeah, so we um, we spoke to Emma quite a bit to start with, because Duncan basically was swamped all day, wasn't he? He was, um, yeah. But it was quite interesting, because um, I was really interested in like how they go about shooting the video, because um, obviously we, got it, we sort of drew parallels to the podcast, where we record maybe over two days or something and then we forget we've said something already and we have to cut that out and I mean with a, with an audio recording we lose the recording we just start again but obviously we're painting a model if you mess it up or drop it or the the, the actual the video isn't good but a reverse to the you've got to reverse the paint job almost um which I thought was pretty incredible um but they've got their own I thought it was interesting as well they've got their own studio that each both Duncan and Emma have got their own kind of producer and their own studio and they're kind of like separate they don't share that resource they have their own producer which I thought was quite was quite cool <laughs> um I did make the cheeky point did um do they compete like do they obviously they like rival is there like a bit of a rivalry about who gets the most views and uh I think by the reaction I think they they do obviously look at that they, they do <laughs> yeah um but it was really interesting just to talk through and also talk to like Emma about how she got into doing that and I think she talked about doing twitch yeah she twitch streamed um, painting because I remember seeing her like a year or two ago doing that and um just really quite impressive obviously like they were doing some live demonstrations as well um but I think it was quite interesting to talk and sort of say, well, do you do much painting in your free time? And, and you know, obviously 
I mean, she said she took, like, there was an advent calendar death guard scheme, which then she did an army. She started an army from it. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's just, just quite a cool, just be able to talk to him. It's a bit weird because obviously it's probably like, obviously we've watched videos of these people. So you kind of feel a bit more familiar with them, which I guess yeah. is what people have when they talk to us and they've listened to our podcast. But, um, I wasn't sure how, that would go down, but I think that's why they had so many people around them all day because they kind of had that connection already. They knew who yeah, they were, you know. Also, there was a funny moment where Byron started to uh, talk about airbrushing, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, yeah." So, uh, you know, oh yeah, I, uh, I run Element Games, and uh, no, no, it was, no, 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 no. <laughs> look at my look at this gallery of my Necrons. And she goes, "Oh, Element Games," and Byron goes, "Yeah, yes, kind of my company." <laughs> Then oh, Russ think... is in the background talking about, oh yeah, my Lotus is in the car park. Do you want to? Uh, I hate you, know? you guys. So much. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I did. All of this is a hundred percent the truth. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was a good laugh. We, I mean, we. They were really, quite, uh, yeah, it was just really personable, weren't they? Um, they were really, yeah. really nice. Um, you know, just when you go, because I walked over as you guys were chatting to Emma and stuff, and it was nice to know that she she was aware of the podcast and stuff, and it was. Yeah, it was just really cool. A lot of the GW stuff we're actually, which is nice to know. Hello out there if you're listening. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much, and hopefully you enjoy it. And we also, at the end of, towards the end of the day, we got to, call, to chat to Duncan, which, uh, you know, don't want to sound too creepy, but was uh, pretty cool. You know, I mean, I've sat watching some of those videos multiple times, especially the Blight Kings, and um, it was really interesting to talk to him about, you know, he said he does a lot of painting in his free time, which surprised me a little bit because obviously you think well you paint stuff all day and record it and then you go home and you paint more that's our question for a lot of people wasn't it it's like yeah do you still paint in your free time and what do you choose to paint and how do you choose to paint and some people are like oh i paint uh so the heavy metal guys were well the, the one that we spoke to uh was it tom yeah. yeah he was saying that he actually chooses to spend longer per model mm. because because in his work time he's working to a deadline and there's there's all these bits he he, he could do that x degree more but doesn't um well that was bizarre yeah really bizarre um but uh he he paints like that and then he was saying that he'll paint just individual models that he wants to paint in such a way uh because they're different and it's a change for him and then the equivalent for Duncan was no, I just paint exactly like this all the time for practice, which is pretty cool. Yeah. He said he paints stuff that he won't paint. Like I think he's just done a Bretonian army. She so said that he doesn't paint things that he's going to end up painting on Warhammer TV. So he would do stuff that isn't probably isn't that current or a bit weird, a bit left field. But um, no, top top bloke. I mean, I you know just really big highlight. I think you know that we we kind of were hogging him a little bit, but um, you know we we sort of sort of realised there was a queue and we thought, well, I'd better get out of the way, really. But, um, yeah, great. He said he listened to a lot of podcasts as well, so hopefully he listens to ours. And, yeah, it was brilliant to talk to him. Um, yeah, just, just you know, awesome, really. I mean, like, it's, it's like I say, it's kind of that weird thing where you, you feel very familiar with the with the people, but you've never met them. It's kind yeah. of that, that thing. Um, yeah, but, I mean, obviously, like, really accessible. And he was talking a lot of, giving up people a lot of hobby tips and, you know, I just think great, really, really, really cool to have their models on display that you've seen the video and you can see the physical model. And they are really good standard, really. I mean, when you look at it, it's Yeah, that was, was 
you know incredible you know because i mean i know it looks good anyway on the video but when you actually see it in person it doesn't really the video doesn't do it justice at all in my opinion anyway yeah i think um what what i found really interesting was um you had i spoke to him and said well how do you come up with the color scheme like i mean how do you do the method for painting and he said well we'll go to like the army painters and go how did you do it but obviously sometimes they've got to simplify the steps yeah, he said no mixes um, and stuff like that. Isn't yeah, it? like they got used to GW product. They don't mix paints. Um, actually, maybe they've got to take steps out, or yeah. there isn't a method for that particular thing. So he's got to make it up. And um, you know, I think that's that's really cool that they get to use their creativity in within those. Again, it's it's a bit what Tom said from the design studio, where you've got your limitations, and that kind of gets your that's the challenge that's what makes it interesting and that's where you you get pushed and i think that was that was fantastic really i I, like i say it it was just such a great day like being able to get that kind of information and really like sort of disseminate what in the back of your head you think oh is that how it works or i don't really know and actually been able to ask those questions I mean, the one thing that I, I found quite funny was like I said to to Duncan, I was like, I just want to say like, you know, when you did the Nagash video and you did the the blending using the medium and the washes, I said that just blew my mind. It changed the whole way I I approach painting stuff to for an army standard now because I use his technique for that for any sort of blend now, you know, a controlled wash to you know make something look, you know, have aid that transition, and he's like, oh yeah, that's been around for years. You know, and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I think that's, you know, really good. Um, lots of techniques. So, obviously, if you ha- we've talked about it before. Just watch the videos. You'll pick up some painting techniques, even if you're not painting the model. The only dangerous thing about watching those how to paint videos is you might buy models that you don't want just to paint them and follow the video along. So, uh, <laughs> but that's not a bad thing, really. Um yeah, the the Black King video in particular for me is is one of my faves. Uh, I love the skin method, and it definitely I just wanted to paint Black Kings when I watched that video, and I I did. Um, and my Black Kings that got the finest pin, um, I actually followed his skin recipe. I added some steps, and I changed a few bits, but basically I followed that guide, and yeah, really happy with that. It was awesome. I mean, I'm I'm watching the Dirty video quite a lot at the moment because I'm sort of like painting a, a Sylvan F faction for my my Stormcasts, and um, you know I'm just watching that Dirty video and trying to apply that to Dryads and and change it up a little bit. So, yeah, I think um, it would have been good to hear him talk about how to not contaminate your medium, but I didn't quite get that line out of him. No. So maybe next time. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was basically the top floor. Mostly there were seminars going on, but we didn't really spend a lot of time there because we didn't when they started we weren't really in a position to sit down and they had like a tv and they had a background and they had a camera but the one thing they didn't have was microphones on the presenters which i thought was just a bit bizarre yeah it was a bit quiet because i was watching the one video on blending and it was just so difficult to hear the guy talk um because of he was quite a quiet guy as well it was the guy that won the gold in the open competition if yeah. you weren't sat in the front row, you had no hope. I, yeah. I, I sort of stood in on a couple of ones, Emma's one, Duncan's one, and 
I think that guy as well. Oh no, it was me and you, Les, wasn't it? We were both yeah. stood off to the side. I, I was stood there as well, but I couldn't yeah, hear him just really. Couldn't hear. So that's one thing they definitely need next time. It's just a little small microphone, just short range, so that that little group of people can hear you. The thing is, they've got a PA, because obviously they do the microphone for the Golden Demon announcement, but they just need literally like a little speaker and like a radio mic, like like a like a shirt clip-on mic, just to talk through. Um, it doesn't have to be a massive thing, because obviously like you're only talking about like 20 people sat around... Um, I mean, even that, or separate conference rooms. But I, I think the nice bit about being in the open plan is that you could just wander over and wander out, um, which is quite cool. I mean, realistically, looking at the amount of seminars that were going on, you know, like little twenty-minute seminars. I mean, how much money would people pay for a a twenty-man seminar with a member of the heavy metal team teaching you how they paint cloaks and skin? Yeah, but I think the problem with that is you get the issue where. Okay, I've got to pay to get the seminar. I've got to queue up. I've got to go in a room because I went to Games Expo and they did that kind of thing, and it wasn't really. It's kind of in your ticket price. You pay just yeah. for your ticket. That's part of the ticket price. I kind of like that. I don't really, you know, it just gets a little bit awkward. I think. I think so. I mean, I mean, I'd, I'd probably always drop him, isn't it? I'd probably pay to see that sort of thing. You know. Well, but, you technically have to yeah. get your ticket to go in. I mean, obviously we didn't, but. Um, I, I think trying to charge separately, it's just a bit of a logistical nightmare. But yeah, um, yeah, I think I think when I went to Games Expo, they like pre-sold tickets or something. It just didn't work very well. Um, I might be completely wrong. I didn't I didn't bother even trying with the Games Expo ones. But um, yeah, I think I quite like the fact they were in the main hall. Like you could just kind of look over and see it happening. It felt all inclusive and yeah. dropping, which is really good. Um, like I say the only criticism there was they just need microphones. Just they just need to be able to project their voice more. Um, and also, I think some of the cameras were at weird angles. Um, yeah. Obviously, they're working on like GoPros on tripods, um, but I think they just needed some of them were at a very strange angle, and it wasn't very easy to see what they were talking about. You almost need like a like almost like pre-taken photos and a PowerPoint presentation. Um, and microphone, so actually do it more like a like a presentation rather than hold, sitting down holding a model and holding it up to a camera. And um, unless you're doing like a live paint, I don't think yeah. if you're just showing a model you've already painted, then you know big photos we, do the same we, job. We, we Peter it definitely. Yeah. Um, but I think you know I mean, as these things go on, they'll they'll get better at it. You know, I don't know if it's a new feature this year, but um, definitely a great feature. Don't get me wrong, not being saying it was rubbish it's just that we didn't really spend much time with that but they, they obviously look quite popular some of them were very popular um but yeah i think that's great as well um i don't know if the event got more popular it would be a bit impractical to do it but not so sure but awesome really so that was the top floor really golden demon or designers um so we went we'll talk about the bottom floor the retail bit i suppose yeah we didn't spend as much time there, although there was something which hadn't we weren't expecting until we'd heard about it, which apparently a lot of uh, customers in the Age of Sigmar spectrum were asking about, which was some artwork of some rather interesting things. Yeah, there was basically a timeline of the Age of Sigmar, and they were like these boards with artwork on them, and there was some pictures of uh, some models or well, some artwork, um, which was quite interesting. 
Um, yeah. Obviously, pictures have been up on Twitter and that, but there was some some sort of Sylvaneth looking elves, and and there was uh, some some chick on a big beetle type thing, wasn't there? So yeah, it was. Uh, uh, yeah, so the screensaver on my phone at the moment. It just it, it's exciting to think that you know that that direction, something that you would never imagine in it, you know, such a long time. If that is the direction that they take, it's going to be really nice year. Yeah, it looks awesome, and it's turquoise. And it's, yeah. yeah, they also had down on that floor. They had all the digital stuff. So there was like, um, it almost looked like Vermintide, but Death, like Space Hulk being played. I can't remember what it's called now. Yeah, there's a lot of games being played. And it looked yeah. awesome. And they had you also had Vermintide, and you had obviously Total War, and then other all the GW games. Basically, there was like place you could sit and play with headphones on. Not really my thing. Um, it didn't look as popular as other bits because obviously, I think well, it's not a not a computer game place, is it really? So, um, a few people playing, but I was I didn't spend a lot of time there. But I did watch the like the preview video for that Space Hot game and thought, oh, that looks pretty cool. I'll probably get that when it comes out. Yeah. Um, and I think they had the app team there as well, and uh, bumped into Adam in the car park and spoke to him. It's been a while since I spoke to him, so that was awesome. And we went round. We went to try and buy some Forge World stuff, didn't we? Which was uh, a bit difficult as they didn't have any stock left. Yeah, I don't think they'd been. Well, they didn't bring much. I think Forge World is definitely targeted fairly firmly at the 40k audience, and we were told that they brought a couple of our models, which you can understand if they were looking to stock up on other things. So we ended up. I got hold of the Forge World. They got the Masterclass books. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. first and the second, which I wanted for ages. And I didn't realise how I've never seen them in person, and I didn't realise how big and beautiful they are. And I'm pretty excited just about owning them. I like they are really good coffee table books for nerds. Really, really beautiful things to have. And I also ordered a couple of Mongols and one of the exclusive models for the day, which was like this Terminator-sized robot dude. I'm sure that's going to upset some people who know about forty or whatever. Was it Mechanicus or something? Uh, I don't know. So it's a robot. A robot. robot dude. It's a big yeah. robot. Iron Warriors, but yeah, probably that. Um, so I'm, I wanted that. So I wanted to pick up something, painting, just like Russ was saying about painting something entirely for painting's sake. So not choosing to paint something you're going to paint anyway, even better, but just a thing for painting. That was yeah. my thinking in purchasing that. It looks like a cool model to either do in two metallic metals and really grimy or shiny, shiny non-metallics or something like that. I didn't really look at, like, I didn't know, really realise they had, like, event-specific models, so I, I probably should have spent a bit more time looking. Um, but I think those books were really good value as well. Like, they're only, like, £30, so they're just beautiful. 30 quid. Yeah, and it's bloody huge. It's massive. Like, as a tome to hold, it's... It's just brilliant, and it's really nicely set out as well, so they explain, there's like an introductory section where it explains techniques and materials and stuff like that, and it goes through and it focuses on the photography, it's GW, the photo quality is just what it should be. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I just heard they were good universally from everyone who's ever touched one, and it's apparent why, and I thought, well, while I'm here, I may as well grab them, so I did. Yeah, no, I I own both of them, and I think they're, they're cracking books. Did you um, pick up anything, Terry? I tried to buy something. <laughs> what did you um, try and buy? I tried to buy a style of the faithless. Yeah. Um, some, some so you basically just... went for the filthy thing. No, I just really want to paint a nice model, so I thought oh, I'll paint that. That'd be nice. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I, I, I want to add one so that I have more options for different Chaos builds. Um, but they didn't have any in stock, um, which is surprising. Cause... Any, well, I think the guys who had chosen the stock allocation for the day weren't necessarily guys that were privy to... Or maybe it's just that Age of Sigmar isn't as much on their radar, but we were saying, haven't, haven't you noticed that sales for this model have really picked up recently since the rules came out? And the guy was like, oh, have they? So... Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the guys working there don't actually work for Forge World, do they? They're just like... Because I think um, one of the guys day. that I I knew from the old tournament scene back in the day, Greg actually was on the stand and I was chatting to him and we had a good catch up and he said that he works in the mould room basically for the plastic. So it just allocated to that place, you know. So They, they brought down the full capacity of GWHQ, which yeah. uh, like the, don't quote me on this, I could be wrong, but I think the number 800 was bandied around or something ridiculous like that, mm. as in the total amount of people they brought down for the weekend. Maybe that was across both days or something, but it was a pretty hefty amount of staff. That's there. a lot of staff. Yeah, I mean, it was um, pretty cool, just that they had that much presence. I ordered my Orc command set, which um, they didn't have either, but <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't have a colossal squig either, but... Um, Greg was like, oh, we do have this really cool squid gobber. And I went, yeah, I've got one, but they're awful. These rules are rubbish. What are you doing? Yeah, basically, I was like, they're awful. I don't know if I'll ever actually use it unless I proxy it as, like, something else. Um, if it was 0. 0.0001 points, you still wouldn't take it? No. If it was free, would you take it? No, nah, because that just, just gives up points to your opponent. <laughs> I don't know. Probably. But it's just awful, really. I mean, it's, it's, well, anyway, back on the rules, but uh, it's a cool model. Don't get me wrong. I love the model. Um, but I already got it, so I didn't want to buy a second one. Um, but they did do a thing where they're going to post stuff out for free. Yeah. So I think my command got sent out this week. Um, cause there's obviously a bit of a delay because they got so many orders to take. So they should um, put all the silly heresy stuff to one side and sort out the Age of Sigmar people first. Yeah, no one, no one, no one's heard of it. I don't think there's that much of a market for it. <laughs> no dedicated fan base who just buy everything. They yeah, like spend yeah. stupid amounts of money on different, slightly different shaped Space Marine hats. Um, <laughs> but he's got a new hat. But he's got like a, he's got like a skull on the side rather than on the top. But this one looks really old fashioned. And he's got like a slit. In in the beak, which isn't now on this one, um, yeah, I don't understand it. It's not my hobby. Obviously, very popular, doing really well. Great to see it, really. But... I, I do have to admit a slightly guilty love for some of the big tanks they have out, and a lot of the very large Forge World Town models. I think are. <laughs> you're so going to end up buying one, aren't you? I'm yeah. so going to end up building one. Yep. <laughs> Byron. No chance of putting that together. No. Um, you can pose them differently. Yeah. But we um yeah, we bought a few bits and there was a store there as well, like a generic store and there was um, the Black Library and there was some art prints, wasn't there? Um That's a dangerous thing to go near as well. It is so tempting. I think I um I definitely didn't want to spend too long looking there in case I decided I was going to buy a load because uh, I didn't want to end up with a load of horse heresy art for my house. 
I mean, I was quite pleased that I was talking to my security guard mate at the time because I think I could have quite easily sort of like slipped down that hole and ended up buying some artwork and spending some money. But, you know, I think... I almost bought a troll hag at one point. He was like, I've got a troll hag in. I was like, mm, Yeah, I'll buy that. Why? I'll buy that. I'll buy it. Yeah. It should be in a chaos army. Never mind. <laughs> Destruction. But yeah, so no, it was, it, that was a good floor. We went at a good time and a bad time. It, it was good because it was quiet, but it's bad because, well, the stock had gone. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they ever took that much anyway, so. No. But no, it's good though. Yeah, it definitely was. It's pretty cool. And so after that, on the subject of Forge World and other exciting things, we moved to the middle floor. Yeah, and I think this was probably the best floor for me. I so really liked um, it. It was really interesting. This one felt a bit more cosy because the low ceiling. Yeah. And maybe that's all it was. Um, but they, they obviously had the new Blood Bowl set, like the board, and they had the, the, the push fit plastic orc and human teams, and just amazing like so i have no interest in blood bowl but i really liked the models they were they were really 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 nice it was like the little touches like the reversible pitch so one size orcs one size humans the reversible dugouts the the holes on the bases to put your ball in so it doesn't fall off um and i had quite an a surreal experience where i didn't realize but um um, James, the guy behind, like I think, behind Silver Tower and and sort of you know, or specialist James is on Twitter. Um, when I worked as a full timer in games, which I've actually worked with him in in my local store and also in Reading, so I've I've actually worked days <laughs> with him before. So it was quite nice to have a catch up and see how he was getting on, and and obviously he's he's where he wants to be, and I think that's great. And it was great to hear him say that. You know, oh, the, obviously I'm the pins, but the ball because when you're in a cage and you want to move your model, the ball falls off the base and you can't quite get to it. And it's just like as a gamer, that kind of stuff just is in the back of his mind and it shows through in the design. And I think that's really cool. Like you know, he's had that input um, to the point where they were said that they've actually made the squares a little bit bigger on the yeah because. Level. Because if you play the old pitch and you've got a big model, it doesn't really fit in. And then when you lie a model down, you always go, "What square is that guy in?" Yeah. Um, awesome really but can't wait for that to come out definitely going to buy it the thing that impressed me because uh, they said it was going to be out around Christmas didn't they mm. they're bringing the release schedule forward yeah. Yeah, yeah they said they're ahead of schedule so they're going to bring it all forward the thing that amazed me was just the 3D renders of that dwarf I've never seen a yeah. dwarf look so dynamic yeah, and it was awesome, aggressive right? it was just like wow if that is the standard, I mean, let's face facts, the human team and the, the orc team were both exceptional anyway. Yeah. But if that dwarf is the standard, then crazy. Yeah, yeah I, I thought that was that. awesome, really. Um, I really liked the um, uh, the, the guy there who basically said, oh, this is sort of the first thing I can show you. And he had his mock-up of the death roller. Yeah. And he kind of described it as a big, as, as Chris's name, he says, as a big lawnmower. Which yeah. I thought was really cool, but um, he was quite new into the company as well, so it was quite interesting to talk to him because obviously he's not been there that long. So when you sort of say, "Well, how does this work?" and he said, "Well, kind of this way, I think," but you know, it was kind of interesting to get so many because I think um, when we spoke to Tom in the design area, we'd already spoke to Chris, so we sort of had a bit more, bit more sort of pointed questions to ask the experienced guy. Um, yeah. But yeah, awesome! He does a lot of three D sculpting and. 
I sort of asked what software he used and stuff because I'm, I have a little bit of exposure to CAD and CAM in my work and, um, obviously not me, but personally, but I know what we use and what, you know, sort of what is just interested to see what, if he actually does any traditional sculpting and he was like, no, it's all, it's all like, you know, CAD CAM and, I thought it was, yeah, it was just interesting. It was just that's really. That's the thing that was amazing to me. It's like when we when we asked the question, we were like, "Do you can you sculpt with like green stuff?" And he's like, "Nope, not at all. I just do it all on the computer." Yeah. And, and it's just like, wow, that's that's really cool. Yeah. That someone who's not had any sort of like physical sculpting experience has got the command of like a computer program to be able to design something, you know. And I think that, as well, he was talking about he's working on the Adeptus Mechanicus models. Yeah. Which you couldn't show any anything really. They just had some concept art from the old school. Um, but he was saying about how they've got like the Imperial Knight and they've like shrunk it down and modified it and I think they've up the they're gonna up the scale and they're talking about doing Epic as well and That's what you said. If it goes yeah. well, they're gonna try and bring Epic back, didn't they? Yeah. Some of it will be plastic and some of it will be resin. Yeah. Like you said, like the teams for Blood Bowl are probably going to be plastic, but yeah. like the add-ons, like the, the the dwarf roller, like the death roller, whatever it's called, it's going to be resin kit. Um, and you know, I asked the question as well about where does it sit. Like I said, like because you know, obviously this is the old world. Isn't yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. And Age of Sigmar is the new stuff, and they're like, well, actually, we we kind of think of it as not being there. We think of it as being like a pocket universe, and you know, the 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 armor plates on the orc team aren't really armor plates anymore. They're more sort of like pads that are aggressive looking sort of like pads as opposed to armor. And from, from the perspective of someone who not as a designer, but is part of a company who are fairly well placed within the industry uh, at the moment, they're doing things just so right. Like that game is an encyclopedia of how to go about, approaching the industry we're in push fit plastics colored uh the way the board works all the stuff you guys already mentioned but it's um it's really interesting just how swiftly things have changed in a couple of years uh it's monumental i think we're at a really interesting time and as as ever gw are the company at the forefront of things and what they do dictates what's what's going to happen and what people are actually capable of because they usually push the envelope in terms of that type of stuff for me it's nice to see them sort of forging forward because i got a feeling they were sat on their laurels a bit and now they're actually like really pushing forward with stuff um i mean like you can't argue with the quality of the models are just world class they're just they're just industry leaders it yeah. just they just really are in terms of plastics there's nothing that comes close i don't think um i think um it was quite it was quite cool to speak to him and then straight away speak to Nicholas, who was sat there sculpting in a traditional way, um, just some heads out of Fimo. Yeah. He was and ace. He was ace. Cool Top bloke. Yeah. I mean he's, he's he very French. Frenchman. Out of the yeah. <laughs> two emotional Frenchmen that I'd had, he was by far the best. Yeah, he was great. And um he was just he was saying that he likes the traditional sculpting because it has soul and you get the artists really can put their passion in and your typical kind of I don't want to say typical French but you know that kind of that emotion really was there and some of the stuff he'd done like he he was working on a head and it was just you just look at it you just go that's just amazing like I it you're sculpting a face and like I love he had one he'd done already and it was like this maniacal grin 
like science fiction space marine type head and it was awesome yeah just how open he was to just sort of like go have a look at this and like pick up the oh you can touch it you know don't don't be scared you can touch it um and i spoke to i said to him how often have you like done a bit and you've just like you know you just fudge it with your thumb and that's it and he's just like yeah that that happens (laughs) didn't he show us the the fimir um champion yeah, yeah, he and did. He yeah. said like that took like how long was it? I can't even remember. I think it was like a week. Yeah, yeah, two weeks. Was it two, two weeks? weeks? Two weeks. Two yeah. weeks to sculpt it. Yeah, I think he spent two weeks sculpting that, and um, I thought that was quite interesting um, that he was uh, he was doing that, and uh, yeah, it was just it was just really good to see like a traditional sculptor just sat there and, and just working on stuff and. He, we were talking about, um, you know, using like Fimo or mixing like green stuff in Fimo or using like, you see like people who sculpted Milliput are crazy. And, um, but I think he basically said at the end of the day, you sculpt what you're comfortable with. So if you've been sculpting with this material, that's what you sculpt with. Yeah. Um, he uses like a 50 50 mix of super sculpt, sculpty and Fimo. Mm. And then occasionally at the end, he uses like a little bit of green stuff, but he just doesn't really like it. I think he says that you don't get a lot of working time with it because you get like I think he says two to three hours, but yeah. with, so it's all right for small detail. But if you're doing like a main piece, he said that with the Fimo you can you get it for days and then you you can um, you bake, bake it. it and then it's done. But he also said that if you mix green stuff and Fimo together, you extend the green stuff working time by about double it. Yeah. So it's just that material properties, really. I mean, you're working in the medium and you're experimenting with different things, and that was really interesting as well. Just, just that kind of. Yeah, chatting with him was one of my favorite, my favorite bits. That was really cool because I, me and Byron chatted to him for a long time, and then we all sort of went away, and then we all came back again with yeah. you and Les this time, and then we chatted to him all over again. Yeah, so... I think we we were speaking to one of the artists, weren't we? He was working yeah. on a Photoshop. Like uh, I don't know what it's called, like a like an artist Photoshop pad with his. I mean, the only way I can describe it is like his magic wand. Um, and he was working on like artwork, and he was those, really open as well. Had next level Photoshop skills. Oh like, my god, yeah, just ridiculous. Like I, I think I'm quite dab hand with uh, Photoshop at work when I do graphic stuff, but this is crazy levels of like <laughs> wow. And he was telling us about sort of like the briefs he get, wasn't it? Where it was just like make it like you know, you guys basically that the, in the Horace Heresy books, uh, they are on the way to a fight, during a fight, or after a fight, and yeah. that's how they sort of like do it. And then they go like, well, we we'll do this in like a a train station, and then we're like we're we're forty k it and make it or like make it massive, wasn't it? What you were saying, the rest of them like yeah, make, make it. it bigger. Because yeah. I'm said that he had to do like an underground scene, but then he said like, well, we have to kind of put the detail everywhere. We can't just assume oh, it doesn't need to be that detailed here, because they might decide to like zoom in on a specific bit. Because I think he said they design it to be like it can be a two-page spread, or it could be like a a box across the bottom of a page, or it can be a watermark, or it can be. Well, they could be putting text over any one bit of it. So yeah. They'd be focusing on whatever bit the text isn't on, and they could choose to put it in the bottom left and fade it out, or top right, or whatever. So there's really there's really no place that they can scrimp on anything. They just they always work to a standard whereby it could be blown up to ridiculous size and still done up to to scrutiny. 
Then he told us how long it takes. I know, was, that really shocked me. Was it eight hours or something? Eight hours to do, like, a piece of art. Crazy. Just mental. Really Absolutely cool. nuts. And um, he was working on, on, like, a scene of some space marines on, like, a ridge. And he kept changing, like, the ground from desert to snow to rock um, to grass. And it was just, like, <laughs> crazy. Just, like... Mind blown. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, I think that was... Re- I can't remember the guy's name. It was Matt. Matt, yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, but Matt, Matt was just, he was really, really chatty as well. Quite a nice guy. So we, I mean, everyone there was really, but that to me, that was really good as well. Speaking to him. Yeah, I thought that was one of the most interesting bits. He was, he was just saying like, you know, sometimes I get told like, finish that piece in two hours or just going to move on deadlines as such. And he was saying he's got like this library of things that he thinks could have potential if he, if he's, can go back to them in the future, but if not, it's just your job and you've got to move on and go on to stuff. And it's just like the people in this industry for this company have made their passion their job. And what that entails is probably one of the most interesting things the entire weekend, just hearing how they have to approach things to, to make it a, well, it's to earn a salary out of it. And it's sometimes the amount of murdering of darlings that goes on is just crazy for us from yeah. an outside perspective. I think he was showing a picture that he was like, I would really like to finish this at some point, but, you know, deadline was passed and, you know, I'm never going to come back to it properly, but, you know. It was amazing as well. I was just like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> I think being a towel battle suit probably did it for you. I mean, yeah. Towel battle suit, and it was <laughs> only in black, white and red. I was, yeah. It was like everything that you like, just like yeah. ticking all those boxes. Very much. Um. But yeah, that was. I think that was pretty much the Forge Rod for. There was some sort of big display in the middle. I, think. I don't know if it was gaming or something, but didn't really head over that way. No, I mean, there's probably some amazing stuff to see, but just because of what our interests and what our hobby are, we probably didn't spend as much time looking at the, the model display stuff. That was the floor where I dribbled over Tau and strange tanky things for a yeah. bit, actually. Like, I, I thought it was three different Ford World models, but it was just the same one in different poses, it turned out, which I was really impressed by. Like, yeah. it, it was like the the tower, which is on the end of the probably the, the garage kit spectrum, the really big, uh, badass robots, which for some... I don't know why, because I don't, I don't really pay that much attention to the, the sci-fi end of DW stuff ever, really, unless I'm thinking about using it for fantasy somehow. Mm. And it was, yeah, they're pretty... They're pretty incredible, actually. Really, really hefty, evil-looking big robots, which it turns out I like, apparently, after this weekend. Turns out <laughs> big robots are pretty popular, aren't they? Yeah, I've heard so, yeah. I think that's... Is it the thing you bought was the Iron Circle, Domitor, Ferrum, Class Battle? Yeah, that sounds all right. I wonder why I can't remember its name. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, that thing. Yeah, I, I did. I did. Was it about fifty-five quid? Yeah, and he's got a big hammer and a shield. Yeah, that's I bought that one. Yeah, it's cool. I was just looking at that, going, oh, "That's really nice. It's a new release." Um, but I think, uh, yeah, the four draw stuff's just just crazy. I mean, like, if you're into forty k, I imagine it's just it's it's just everything you want, isn't it? I mean, it's and amazing. More. Yeah. Um, but that was, I mean, that basically. Was That's everything, wasn't it? Everything, yeah. I, mean, um, I think, I mean, we spent a little bit of time afterwards when it just chatted, didn't we, downstairs? And I think 
for me, again, like I mean, we said it, Golden Demon was ace. Um, the attitude and the enthusiasm of everyone we spoke to was infectious. Um, everyone yeah. was open. There, there was, they were quite, you know, it, it felt like you got a decent amount of time to talk to people. Um, the venue was pretty airy. It was nicely spread out. It felt relaxed. Only smelled game of stench twice. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in the four drill bit where it was really low ceilings. <laughs> so it was more confined. And and everyone there just generally felt like they wanted to talk to you. And, yeah. you know, it, it almost felt like people wanted to talk to you even more. As soon as they found out that we were on a podcast and stuff, it, it, you know, it felt like they were, they, they wanted to open up and wanted to actually have almost like a bit of our time. Well, I, I guess as soon as you say we put our spare time into talking about this, then there's a bit of commonality there, isn't there, between yeah. us and them because they put their life into working for it and we're really happy to talk about it in their spare time. And we put our spare time into playing it and talking about it and doing the podcast and, and everything that entails. I think for me, it, well, I'll say really, I mean, there's not much more to say than what we've said, but if you haven't been to Warhammer Fest definitely go next year it's definitely worth the money it's well worth going it's a really good day um we'll be entering golden demon next year i imagine um i mean well that's the, the highest sort of like accolade we can give it is like you know would we all of us would we go again next year yeah 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 without, in a blink of an eye i think we all we all sort of said didn't we said if we were invited if we weren't invited would we have gone and we all pretty much went no we wouldn't have, would we? Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and then it, when we got there, we were all pleasantly surprised, almost blown away by it. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say it was it was fantastic. Um, it was nice to bump into a few people we knew. I mean, obviously we saw like Mark Borland, and obviously Adam Elford was around, and some of the obviously obviously Dan Healing was there, and obviously a couple a of War Chiefs as well. Yeah, yeah. Anno and, and Carl were there, and yeah, Carl, it was... Carl took his son the day after his birthday to Warmer Fest. I can imagine that hurt his pocket quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I imagine so. Um, I thought, uh, yeah, it is great. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, it's a good day, man. I mean, thank you very much to the community team for inviting us to come along. Really, if they're listening, it was, it was yeah. great. Yeah. And hopefully moving forward, we'll be able to, um, you know, maybe do some interviews um, with the direction the company's going. Um, it would be great to get some of the people we spoke to on the show to talk about in more detail what they do um, and share that with everyone. Um, hopefully that'll be something we could do in the future. Um, I actually feel that it's a possibility now um, from where we, from where GW are now moving this year. So I think it's... Uh, definitely a step in the right direction but i don't think there's much more to say really check out the golden demon website you know check out the awesome blog by uh, dave soper and just you know um just just fantastic that really i mean you do lose hours looking at that to be honest <laughs> even some of his old work but well deserved slayer sword winner and um thanks to everyone at the event you know for making it what it was for us so uh it was brilliant so there you go so i think, I think that wraps it up it does indeed. So uh, thanks for listening and uh, we'll talk to you soon. To make sure you don't miss out on any more Hammer to Your Face, subscribe to us on iTunes 
add our RSS feed to your reader and follow us on Twitter at facehammer underscore. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.